All right, we are back, League Ledger listeners, coming at you here on the Triple last L's. day. Triple L's, what up? Here we are, last day of February. Uh, Andrew here, alongside my trusty co-host, Mr. Josh Gardner, what up? What's up, man? So good to see you. So uh, stoked on another Sunday to uh, get together and talk some hoops. And um, like Derek Rose tonight at the Little Caesars Arena, making his triumphant return to the league ledger is Alex Konevsky. Alex, how are you doing today, man? That's me. Hey, how are you guys? Thanks for having me. It's an honor and a pleasure. And uh, I'm pretty horned up and ready to go, I think. Nice, man. Yeah, I can see uh, your nipples right through that shirt. Looking, yeah, yeah. looking real they're good. They're poking out. They're cut glass with these nipples. Yep. <laughs> um, all right. So, um, Andrew, what is the game plan for today? We are. We got a, got a few NBA topics we're going to hit on um, for the first portion of the show. Uh, and then after that, we're moving on to fantasy stuff. Uh, with our first, our featured fantasy topic is is going to be we're going to be redrafting rookies um, in the league uh, from the 2020 draft. We're going to do the the first 10 picks and see how that matches up with how the the league drafted this past year. Uh, you know, we're about halfway into the season or so, and uh, I think there's been some movement. So it will be interesting to see where. We all end up, and then we're going to kind of run down how the leagues are looking, both the league and the Kings room are looking after that. And we also have a, a little look ahead to some 2021 uh, NBA draft prospects. And uh, so make sure to stay tuned for all of that. Um, so, yeah, Josh, why don't you go ahead and, and take us into our first topic? Yeah, so um, I think everyone that listens here knows that I'm a pretty big Bill Simmons fan. Um, and uh, one thing he talked about on his Monday pod this past week was uh, the NBA being in crisis. Um, and I think what what he was talking about was a, a few things, uh, notably like how the end of the games takes a really long time to finish, how long reviews take when it's a seemingly simple answer. You, you have the refs kind of standing around that screen trying to figure out I, I mean I know they have a lot to figure out but uh, it seems like it could go a lot quicker uh, one thing you didn't mention was just this whole the whole challenge process seems a little weird how you get one challenge even if you get it right you don't you don't get to keep it um, and then I think for me the biggest thing is the amount of like complaining that happens particularly once you get into crunch time um, so pretty broad topic but i guess i'm curious what you guys think like do you agree just as a basic premise that the nba has an issue with those things or is it do you think that um that it's a little bit overblown andrew what do you think so i think that the challenge was just a bad direction for things to go in general i think that just improving refs abilities to make decisions on the spot uh and i think that the the occasions where a challenge is going to be good to have is is so minimal uh compared to how many times it's just going to slow down the game especially at the end of games um 
So I, I, I think maybe slightly overblown overall saying it's in crisis mode, but I, I'm a, a fan of anything that's going to slow down or speed up the game uh, at the end. Um, <laughs> slow it down, hey, baby. <laughs> yeah, slow it down. I want to deliberate those final minutes. Um, so and players complaining. I, it's it's gotten worse and worse over the years, and I, I know we might sound like some crotchety 30 year olds who are uh trying to um you know say our era was better and all that but it, it has on it's gotten a lot worse it used to be kind of just Manu Ginobili and and a few other guys who were complaining every time but now it's pretty much any time a lot of these stars uh touch the ball they they want to foul even if they score and we're barely touched so uh yeah that's a big problem price is overblown but um but still, they're, they're problems. Alex, what do you, where do you stand? Um, I think anybody who knows me is gonna is gonna like definitely not be surprised with my by my position here. But I I think we go back. I think we got to move back. I mean, even beyond beyond the uh, challenges, we go back to the '80s. We got to go back to just like clotheslining guys. We gotta we gotta go back to just letting guys fight it out on the court. Um, I'm, I'm being only halfway serious here because I, I, I do like that brand of basketball. But let me let me address the actual point here. I think you know the challenge thing in particular is interesting. Um, I think it's definitely an attempt to democratize the process, right? Because you want like the people who are gonna be impacted by these calls, the players, the coaches to have like a say, right? To have a say in, in strengthening the system and like, and, and sort of like you know, ironing it out and getting the flaws out of it. Now, the issue with democracy is like, you know, as we see, I don't want to get too you know, political here, but like, as we see in any, um, in any democracy is like, it's like a dirty, long, drawn out process with like no easy answers. And generally like no one's really happy about the result. So, I mean, you're right. That's kind of what's happening in the NBA. Um, you know, what I'm seeing at the end of here's the big, here's the big thing. Also, you're right. It like enables dudes on the court to just complain about every single little call, and then you're opening up like a lot of area for discretion for technical fouls. Actually, I've noticed uh, you'll see a lot of guys complain about a call that you know that they think they should have gotten, or they you know they think they shouldn't have gotten. And now you're opening up this avenue for like refs to decide, okay, am I going to tee this guy up? Right. And so now, you know, you're getting superstar T calls also, um, or non superstar calls. You know, I saw someone recently got teed up for like tossing the ball at a ref, just like bounce passing it to, to the ref. Who was that? I don't remember. I don't know. It happened to Josh Jackson earlier in the season, too. Um, oh, yeah. It definitely happened to Josh Jackson. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Do you think. Josh Jackson would have been called for that, like, you know, I mean, if he was James Harden. Well, I think of it, it, I don't know, this is something that's been going on for a while, just sort of how different players and are, are treated a little bit differently and how sort of your, reputa- your reputation dictates how much leeway you get. Um, you know, you got a guy like LeBron who seems to be able to do whatever he wants uh you know yelling at officials questioning every call and sort of slide by and then of course uh the Draymond situation from 
from this past week uh, in that Charlotte game where, um, you know, they, they gave Gordon Hayward a timeout. He got pissed, ended up getting two technicals. Um, and then, you know, the rest is sort of history there. Uh, yeah. I, I think, uh, you know, part of the issue with the challenge in particular is I think if they're going to keep it, maybe they have to limit the scope of what is challengeable. Uh, you know, with the with the charge block thing, it's almost it's almost like the the pass interference thing in football, which I I I don't know what the current status is. I I know I think maybe they're allowing it now, but I know it it took a while for that to be something that's challengeable. Just because when you slow something down, uh, it's gonna be you know you're gonna be able to see things that you don't see in real time, and then it just becomes like what are we doing here? Um, so I wonder um, if you think like the challenge should be eliminated, uh, or if maybe we limit the scope here, or or is is there another answer, um, Andrew? Yeah, I mean I think that it's just I I mean obviously the democratization of the process would take time, but with a lot of these things, I think Josh mentioned right at the start that a lot of these calls they're pretty simple. They should not take a democratization. They're kind of you see one replay and you can instantly tell this was goaltending you can instantly tell that uh this this guy was there before uh the the contact was made um so i with the technology we have implementing a system where uh a review official who's just sitting there you know sideline and just can quickly overturn a call in the final three minutes you know you shouldn't need that long um you shouldn't need this whole challenge process and it would only be with calls where he kind of detects when the refs just didn't get it right on the spot. I, I think something like that. Let me ask you this. Um, have you lost any faith in refs over this process? Because I, I, I kind of have. I feel like uh, maybe it's the challenge process just like bringing to light, you know, the, the flaws of refs in general. But I feel like refs I've been making some awful, awful calls this year, and in a way that I haven't seen in past years. Like uh, awful calls before the challenge. Before the challenge. Before, before the challenge. The challenge. Mm. Yeah, a lot of these so, challenges are upheld, you know. And and I'm wondering about yeah, just your opinion on that, and if it's just sort of, you know, is it um, is it ruining the art of refing, right? <laughs> it's trying to make it into science, which I strictly disagree with i mean but you're I know, saying like the fact that there is a challenge they kind of have like a safety net and it's yeah. making them a little more reckless is that kind of what you're it might be making them a little more reckless with these calls you know what i mean huh. yeah I don't, I don't i don't know that i would dismiss it i don't know like it's hard to get in the head of an nba official and know if you know right. maybe in a split second you know like I, I can't think of an example off the top of my head but maybe there's like a safer call to make in certain situations knowing mm -hmm. that like you know, if the other team has their challenge, like they they're gonna be able to use it, particularly at the end of games. Yeah. Um. So I I don't think that's that's hmm. uh, yeah, that could be part of it. I to me, like this whole conversation, it goes back to the complaining. Uh, like watching the Lakers play this year, uh, is it's like infuriating. Just the amount, like, uh, of like a month ago or three or four weeks ago, I was watching uh, a Lakers Thunder game. I think it was right after the Pistons played them, right after the Pistons beat them. And it's just every call, it's everyone, it's not just like 
whoever's getting fouled is everyone on the court is sitting there with their hands up like what's going on and yeah. you know the the refs aren't calling technicals it, and it it does give you a sense of like the refs have kind of lost control a little bit and i don't know if they're like i, I don't know if there's an answer at this point they they could start just calling more texts and start finding guys but um you know, I don't know. I don't know if that even helps at this point. Yeah, I, I kind of hope they don't do that. I, I really just wish the players would kind of just step up and, and not make this, you know, the league and the sport all about fouls and complaining. I think it's it's on the players to me. I think that I wouldn't like to see the increased technicals. I think that that would just kind of make things more unbearable to watch, and there'd be a lot of just bitterness i think across the league and i i I just wish they could kind of just leave it on the court and and kind of if they don't get the foul call just go back to the other end and play defense (laughs) i'll say i think i think maybe instead of instead of increasing technicals you you certainly pull back on technicals i think that could be a solution here i mean if a guy wants to sit back and complain or if like the Lakers as a team want to complain about a call and not get back on defense, I mean, that's on them. You know, that's on them. If they want to lose games that way, that's on them. Um, but I agree with, you know, if we're going to start throwing techs out willy-nilly, that's going to slow the game down <laughs> even more and make it even more unpalatable for, like, the people that they're trying to get. You know, the NBA is doing this shit for a reason. The same reason they got rid of hand-checking and all that and why you can't fight. Any, I mean, I'm not saying... I'm not saying fighting should be legal, but <laughs> it's a different game for a reason. You know, David Stern started this and Silver is his protege and they're really trying to just like, you know, try, try, they're trying to like increase that, that, that viewer range, you know? So they're trying to make the game more efficient, more clean, lots of scoring, all that shit, you know? So I don't know where I started this whole range. <laughs> no, I mean, I think... The one thing you said earlier, I do totally agree with. If you get a challenge right, you should keep it. I see no reason for them mm. to take away the challenge. Isn't that in football? If you get a challenge right, you keep it, right? Two, if you get both of them right. Yeah, right. yeah. And so, like, there was the perfect opportunity or perfect example of this in the the Pistons Kings game. Um, I don't know if you guys were watching, but they there was a uh, like a play. Uh, Buddy Heald kind of jumped over uh, Josh Jackson and got a tip in and they called an and one Pistons challenged it. The play got reversed. Um, and they said that Buddy Heald's hand was like on Josh Jackson's shoulder. So he was pulling him down. So instead of the Kings getting a bucket and then a foul shot, uh, they lost the bucket. Josh Jackson was shooting free throws with a chance. Um, I think they were down three at that point. Um, and then he missed the first one, tried to miss the second on purpose uh, someone, I think it was Bielitsa, got the rebound, and Josh Jackson kind of like grabbed the ball from him, and they called a foul, and it clearly was not a foul. If they had their challenge, they would have used it again. They would have gotten the ball back, or it would have been a jump ball. Mm. Um, and so, like this stuff is deciding games. You know, it, the Pistons Kings game in February isn't the most important thing ever, but once we get to the end here, uh, you know, and we're fighting for playoff spots, it's the kind of thing that like it. it there's just no not a whole lot of logic in it, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think they've kind of opened Pandora's box here now, you know, and so now it's like how do you how do you seal it up? I mean obviously you don't, but 
Uh, can, I, can I bring one more thing up? I don't want to drag us on time, but this is this has to no, do yeah, with, go for it. This has to do with what we're talking about. What about what do you think? I have very strong opinions on this. The pretty much automatic flagrant one or sometimes two call if you make contact with someone's head. Yeah, I think that's ridiculous. I think it's the craziest fucking shit ever, man. If a guy, first of all, I was always taught coming up is like, you got two hands on the ball, you can move. You can yep. move with elbows out. That's like the rule, you know, just to create space if someone's crowding you. And I mean, I see plays all the time where it's completely incidental. It's a basketball play, you know, but just because they make contact with some part of their, you know, offense or defense, make some part of makes contact with some part of the head, it's an automatic flagrant. And then they review that, obviously. That's why yeah. I bring it up. Yeah, I mean, it's obviously the intent was to make the fouls seem less arbitrary and ha- give it like a definition to, you know, yeah. this foul was called very clearly because head or the flagrant was called because of the head contact. So I get why they did it. But yeah, it just it does not seem like the, the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I've seen plays where it seems like uh, players are, you know, if a guy has the ball, and a player's guarding him real close, where it almost seems like the defender is like purposely moving their head in the way of someone's elbow. Uh, right, right. And, and it's like, at a certain point, you just can't avoid avoid it. Uh, and so I, I agree. Like, there's, there's clearly, I mean, I know you can't really tell someone's intent, but like, you can pretty much tell when someone's not intending to do it, and yeah. it just happens, so... You know, yeah. I, yeah, I agree. That's just another roughing is always going to be arbitrary. Uh, yeah. And let's not try to, um, I don't know. I don't know where I was going <laughs> with that. But there, what happened to like no blood, no foul? You know, it, right. like, guys used to have pride in that kind of stuff. And it seems like, uh, you know, everyone's out here looking for a foul now. Mm-hmm. I think the whole thing is when LeBron and D Wade got in that on that banana boat together. But you know, as far as what Andrew was saying about like, you know, they're trying to standardize these foul calls and say, okay, if if, if this if this particular set of events happens, then you know, we're calling a foul. And I think it's all to placate non basketball fans. Mm. Right. Basketball fans don't understand what a basketball movement is. Yeah, that's a good. I, my college roommates Jeff and Brandon, they were one of their biggest anti NBA. Uh, they they're not NBA fans at all, but they their biggest I think reasoning for not enjoying the watching was because like they just didn't understand why a whistle was called, and I right. often struggle to explain it to them. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that's Pretty definitely. Uh, a goal of, of kind of making it more cohesive. Yeah. Well, um, the, f- the flip side of it is college basketball, which is borderline unwatchable with the amount of fouls oh. that they call. Plus all the timeouts at the TV. Oh timeouts. my God. Yeah. yeah. The end of games take even longer. Uh, yeah, then, so, so. Uh, quick, uh, quick aside. Is there any, any big, big time complainers we haven't mentioned yet? I know I, LeBron is kind of the preeminent one for me. He, yeah almost every play and he's amazing and he's you know all that but god damn it's annoying <laughs> yeah I got, one, I got one for you that might be out of the box maybe not uh ricky rubio is a piece of shit oh. i've said this on all your opinion i hate ricky rubio man Oof. dude Pau Gasol became a really big complainer last like 
five, six years of his career too. It's like the it's the European way, you know, growing up with the soccer and Oh, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I think Embiid comes to mind a little bit for me. Uh and then uh, you know, sort of the anti of it is Zion, who he, I mean yeah. he came out this week and said like something about how he just doesn't it's not in his DNA to complain, but like yeah. talk about a guy who has a case, like every time he goes up for a shot. I mean he the refs still haven't really really figured out how how that works um and uh but he just keeps playing through it and i i think you know as frustrating as it is like we've all played basketball when you're like getting fouled and it's not getting called or when you think you got fouled uh i think guys like i ultimately think you know it, the nba is a product and i think the product would be more desirable to more people if they just kind of mm-hmm. kept playing yeah. One one last thing I thought that I, something in that reminded me of it. This was a long time ago. I think it was back during the Pistons big run. Jeff Van Gundy made a comment. I think it was when Dwayne Wade was getting a ton of foul calls. Oh, um, uh, he made a comment how refs should be doing their homework and kind of tracking how when players complain a lot, whether they were valid in their complaints and if they were not valid, that kind of invalidates them going forward. And that just makes them less susceptible to being called for fouls. And I think that's an interesting, it clearly hasn't been taken into account with how many free throws a lot of these studs get. But um, I think that, you know, refs kind of like looking into, uh, you know, if this guy's complaining, does he have a point or is he just a over complainer? Yeah. Trey Young, another name that comes to mind. Yeah. Oh, for uh, sure. Um, okay, yeah. yeah, no, I I think that's probably happening subconsciously to a certain extent, up until the part where they go back and see if the player was right. You know, I think like to to tie it up in a knot, like a guy's reputation is just completely, uh, you know, it, it it plays a big role here. Um, and uh, to your point, Andrew, I think. It would be interesting, but I, I don't know if that's like in within like the bounds of human nature um, to like go back and look and see if you were in the right or the wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But it, it yeah. would. We're not talking human nature, baby. We're talking analytics. <laughs> yeah. <Digital> analytics. <laughs> All, All right. right. So yeah, on to the next topic. Uh, no, yeah. I think I'm gonna bow. I think I'm gonna bow out now. Actually. <laughs> All right. Peace. All right. <laughs> Take your green drink and. <laughs> green right. Oh. So yeah, yeah we are. We're officially about a month away from the trade deadline, so that is kind of one of our main uh, reasons for this next topic. Josh, you want to pose the question? Yeah. Uh, gonna keep it pretty uh, high level here, I think. But uh, with the mm-hmm. trade deadline coming up. I was wondering, you know, we all think of like who are the buyers, who are the sellers. Uh, I'm wondering if you guys, who you guys think should be a buyer. So maybe it's because they're a piece away from being a serious contender, or maybe yeah. you know they need it just to to solidify whatever spot they're in now. Uh, so, you know, I'll go first. I think uh, with a couple teams. I think Boston is obviously. Uh, kind of on a skid right now. They they've been playing without Marcus Smart, who uh, it's become pretty apparent that he's a, an essential part of their team. 
with him, you get the good, the bad, and the ugly. But uh, just even like on the defensive end alone, they're struggling, and and just uh, you can kind of see it in their ball movement. They're just depending way too much on Tatum and Brown, who have improved a ton as facilitators, um, but they're not. I, I, it doesn't seem like they're there yet um, completely. Yeah. Uh, so Boston is a team that jumps out. Uh, a couple names I've heard are like uh, Vucevic uh, and uh, John Collins as guys mm-hmm. to come in. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's interesting because they have they have that huge Gordon Hayward trade exception, so they can take in it's like about it's almost thirty million in salary. Uh, but it's finding the team, finding a team, mm-hmm. and finding a guy that that team is going to be willing to part with. Um, I know a thirty million guy who who fits the bill. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We got an idea. I think we're thinking the same thing. <laughs> Andrew uh, Wiggins. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other team I I was gonna say is Brooklyn. Uh, I, I think. Uh, for them, it it's in the category of like, sort of pushing them over the edge. Uh, I think. Uh, as long as those three guys there stay healthy, they're they're gonna be a contender. But like. I think they're still maybe, you know, depending a little bit too much on Bruce Brown. They just got uh, Nick Claxton back, too, who's looked, you know, pretty good in limited minutes the past couple games. Uh, but uh, anyway, what do you any thoughts on those two teams or uh, anybody else you guys want to throw in the mix? You want to go first, Andrew? Sure. Yeah. Brooklyn's an interesting one to bring up. I wasn't expecting it. I when you posted to our group about the Dinwiddie being available, that kind of, I was like, Oh shoot, we could have, uh, that could have been a perfect Derek Rose swap um, for, for, for Dinwiddie. I feel like Nets, if it's anyone, it's, yeah, it's a role player, like a veteran role player. Celtics definitely are a team that jumps out at me. I think I'll throw in some West conference teams. Um, the Warriors, it's kind of surprising they haven't done anything yet. I mean, they've kind of been rumored in trade talks a lot of the year that they're, they're very clearly like if they really want to make a run this year, they're going to need something. Uh, who it is and, and how they're going to get it, I, I don't know. I mean, I think you know, trading Wiseman is something, if they're really looking to go big, uh, a Wiseman and Wiggins package for a, a big contract star to, to to pair with with curry they've got that Uh, minnesota pick too they do so they they do have a lot of assets um so yeah they they jump out at me i'd i'd love to see it. i don't think it'll happen but what if the suns made a a really big push to to add another piece and i don't know exactly how it would work but they're you know they're kind of coasting right now and and they're they definitely have some room for improvement, and I think that they've got some salary cap space too. So, um, yeah, so those are some teams for me. How about you, Alex? Yeah, I, that's funny that you bring it up. I think I think the Suns. I think the Suns are the are the team to make a play here. I mean, you know, from their from their run in the bubble to this year, I mean, they're they're definitely showcasing sort of like a more complete package than they have in the past. I mean, Devin Booker is uh, both. Oh, who was it? Someone said it was the closest thing to Kobe Bryant that we that we have, and I don't know oh. if that's true or not. What's up? Whoa! <laughs> yeah, I know. Quite the thing. But <laughs> but you know, I I think they could. I you know, I I think for them, 
I mean, I'd like to see them pick up someone that can come off the bench and give them like sort of like a second unit jump. Mm. Um, they got a second unit that's like pretty good defensively as far as I understand it, but I, I don't know if you know they don't, they don't have like a lot of offense on that second unit. I mean, I could be I could be mistaken, um, but I'd love to see the Suns make a play. Uh, the Nets, I agree, they use like sort of a veteran presence on that team. You know who I would like to see the Nets get? I'd like to see him get someone like um, like JJ Redick or even like Eric Gordon. I don't, you know, I'm not Wayne like, Ellington, maybe. Hey, Ooh, yeah, there you go. Wayne. I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not uh, Nate level on the whole salary salaries matching thing. I mean, that guy is like a mathematician. He's our um, Bobby Marks. For real, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I'm just kind of like guessing like who would fit, you know. I don't know anything about money, but um, but well, depending but on I, how depending on how the Drummond thing works out, I th- he's a guy that has been sort of there's rumblings that maybe they'd go after him, which would be really interesting um, because he'd mm-hmm. have to accept a much smaller role. But if he did, he could be pretty good on that team. I think. You know, Drummond was another, another guy I was thinking of, and he was linked with Toronto for a minute. And Toronto's another team that they still have a great core. I mean, they just, they you know, Kyle Lowry's like 47 years old, but he's still balling out. And, you know, they, they got they got Ananobi, they got my man Boucher. Come, I think Boucher's better off the bench. So yeah. really the, the issue for them, I think, as far as, you know, I've watched a lot of their games just because Boucher's on their team, and that's the only reason I'm watching those games. But Aaron Baines has got to go. Um, I don't know what they were thinking of that pickup. You know, so a guy like, a guy like Drummond, you know, um, a good pick-and-roll partner for Kyle Lowry would be great. guy that can, like, swallow up some space inside. Um, there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys out here that are tradable. But, I, I, I mean, I, I'd like to I'd like to, I'd like to see the Suns make a move. And, I, and, and that's, in, that's in the West. In the East, I'd probably like to see the Raptors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny you bring up Kyle Lowry because he's actually been in some trade discussions lately. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I was listening to No Dunks uh, the, uh, yesterday, and uh, they were talking about um, Philadelphia, Miami, or the Clippers as sort of the three spots that he could land. Do any of those jump wow. out uh, <laughs> as like good you fits? Said, All you of said them. Miami or Clippers? Yep, so Sixers, Heat, Clippers. Wow, yeah, all. I mean, I'm a humongous Kyle Lowry fan, and wow. Yeah, all three of those, I think, huge boost for for any of those teams. Clippers, I think, is the one that really makes the most sense right now because they're having so much trouble at point guard, but um, any of those are great fits. Yeah, I totally agree. I agree with that 100%, but uh, Clippers for sure. I mean, you can't be playing Reggie Jackson at the point as much as they're, as they're playing. Yeah. I was just watching this clip. Uh, yeah. I, you know, anyone who knows me knows I love YouTube. And, uh, and uh, I was like, yeah, for sure, right? It's like the only social media. I don't know if that's social media, but, but um, it, it was like a few weeks ago, he refused to make an entry pass at the high school in and uh, he eventually made the pass, but it got picked off by Minnesota. Oh, it was so terrible. And then John C. pulled him aside. You know, John C. is the like, assistant coach over there. Yeah. Talked to him about it. Oh, man. Reggie, come on, get it right. <laughs> definitely, yeah. the definitely the Clippers for me. Yeah, Just- I mean, Lowry is from 
Philadelphia, I think. Yeah, Nova. Yeah. Um, so yeah. I think that's probably where he would want to go. Uh, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I actually don't know so much about that fit though. Just because, really? like, I think there's like they're still trying to figure out exactly what Ben Simmons' role is and how it relates sure. to having the ball in his hand. Uh, and I, I, don't, I think Lowry is good enough to like he's been playing with Van Vliet. Uh, in Toronto, and and so he can play without the ball in his hand, but um, you know I don't know I don't know like Philadelphia like all those teams I think had the pieces uh, to be able to make that work if Toronto decided and if Lowry decided he wanted to move on from Toronto, um, so yeah. I think that's interesting. Add, I love that for Philly. Yeah. <laughs> adding adding the point guard, yeah I don't know what they do. I mean if they move Simmons that's one thing, but adding any point guards to Philly right now is just like randomly throwing herbs into a stew or like, like just kind of just seeing what, you know, I, I don't know what Simmons is. No one knows what he is yet, which is strange that you know, he's in <laughs> fourth year, fifth, I guess, technically, if you, I mean, fourth now. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know about that, about that fit with Simmons there really. So, mm. I mean, Simmons is the closest thing. We've got to Kobe in today's. Uh, oh. <laughs> I I don't know, man. I think Lowry's versatility would would give me a lot of confidence, and his veteran leadership on that team as the clear second or third best, I guess third best player, but still just like a guy who's won and and knows how to win in the playoffs. His yeah. first, he can play it, like Josh said. He with Van Vliet, he plays off the ball. He's He's just he can dominate the ball, but he he's a great shooter, great just competitor. I I think that would work. Yeah, I wonder. I want to go back to Golden State for a second uh, because the, right now they're the seven seed in the West. Uh, depending on what night you catch them, they they either look like they could beat anybody in the league um, or like last year's team at the you know just a team that doesn't have enough to to beat you know even like a bottom tier team in the league so uh you know some of the stuff that andrew brought up and then also to me like the redundancy between uh Oubre and wiggins how they kind of are this they they give you the same thing night after night i wonder if there's something you know moving one of those guys uh, but i can't i can't think of like what they need um and then Bradley, keeping in yeah. mind that yeah, well, how has that trade not happened yet? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, I guess you got to keep in mind that they still have Clay coming back. So it's like, what right. are you going to do with Clay, Steph, and Bradley Beal? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they can make it work, but yeah, but it doesn't seem like he wants to leave Washington, and they've been playing really they've well. They've been playing really well lately. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, someone like that. I mean, he's the he'd be the a one on my list of our Golden State, but someone in that realm. I think any team. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think just particular. God, he would him and Steph would be so good together. I mean, we might kind of get on some perspective on just how good Clay is if we see uh, how good Beal could be with um, Steph. But uh, sorry, is it? I was no, say I a Beal light option um, that would probably require less of them to trade away is Zach Levine. Um, I don't think Chicago's sending him anywhere now. You don't think so? You don't think so? I think I at the beginning of the days. season they would have. I think yeah. think at the beginning of the season, yes, but like mm-hmm. it's it, he's sort of undeniably become like a 
I don't know if I say top Sting 20. In the yeah, yeah no, I mean, he's scoring. He's scoring <laughs> he's so efficiently. Good. He's playing acceptable defense. And they're right now, they're in the playoff mix. They're the eighth seed right now. So, And he's an all-star. Yeah, he's like once every other week the best player in the NBA. Like just like that night, like across the league. Like, man, I, I think he's one of the best, uh, if not the best, uh, fourth quarter fourth quarter scorer yeah. in the league. Yeah, too. yeah that's true. That's yeah, true. when he's on, man. I mean, either one of those guys would look great. I mean, I guess you're right. Maybe Chicago's not looking to move him at all. But yeah, I the sort of to wrap this conversation up i i wonder if there's going to be a ton that goes on uh just because with the added dimension of the play-in games like there's more teams that are sort of in the hunt for the playoffs so i wonder uh and then i think the other part of that is like between the pistons and the timberwolves there's it's going to be tough to compete for like uh the tank like the best odds so you know i don't it's like if a team is close I don't know that they're going to be willing to give up uh, pieces. So it'll be interesting to see like how active the next month is. Mm-hmm. Uh, trade deadline's about a month away. so For sure. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I just hope, I just hope you know, Al Horford gets moved. <laughs> to a winner? That's my per- – oh, I don't give a shit about his future. I just want Isaiah Roby to move up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Horford, everyone calls him, you know, the closest thing to Kobe. So, <laughs> all right. So I think because of where we're at time-wise, I, I think it might be a good time to move on to the the redraft. Yeah, let's do it. You want to do it? All I right. actually randomly uh, sorted something in Excel to give us an order. Oh, okay. So oh. Um, it's going to be Alex, me, and then Andrew. Oh, and then all right. Regular like style it. draft, not snake. Yeah. Um, cool. I love it. And then I know we said top 10, but should we just do top 12? Yeah. So we each have three, four picks. Yeah. Yes. What was the order again? Alex first? Well, Alex, on. me, you. Cool. I got to access some of my information. So wait, do I have like, I don't have to talk about who's getting who here, do I? No, no, just, no, no, no. no. Just, just in general, my top 12. My top 12, I'm not worried about. In terms of league value in the league, in the, the in our fantasy yeah, league. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, let's talk for a second before we start about just like why this is kind of interesting at this point, you know, with mm-hmm. what we've seen, uh, we got some games under everyone's belt. Uh, yep. You've got the, you know, so you're seeing like what immediate production you're getting, but then mm-hmm. there's also like, we're still sort of evaluating upside. Yeah. Uh, and then we obviously know the fit now. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, I guess with all that in mind, Alex, who are you taking number one overall? Okay. So wait, are we going to go, I go my one, you go your one, et cetera? I think we'll comment I, on I, Yeah, yeah, we'll like yeah. draft and then, yeah, and then we'll let you know when your next pick is. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, anyway, my number one, I mean, this might take some people by surprise here. I'm going to go Irish Halliburton. Whoa. Yeah, it definitely that's my, does. That's, that's my one. That's my one. And let me tell you, he he gives me, you know, he, he gives me a lot of the same things Lamelo does, which I have a feeling that's going to be one for a lot of you guys. For for you guys, but he gives me a lot of the things Lamelo does. But um, he's, 
he's I think he's more efficient as far as you know whatever small amount of research I have done. Um, and he's playing with the air right now, um, which I think helps him in some ways, but it also limits his fantasy numbers. Um, so yeah, I think he's still got like a huge upside. I I already talked to Andrew about like trading for Halbert because <laughs> I believe in much um, players like that are, are are difficult to find. I think he's got that killer instinct. So I'm I'm into some Halliburton. Wow. Yeah. Andrew, what's it, so, what has it been like having Halliburton uh, on your team? Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely far exceeding expectations. Yeah, he looks so comfortable and, and assertive out there. And uh, it, the shot has... Tra- the, the, the jump shot was definitely something I was worried about just because it looks so weird. Like, it's a quick release, and, and he gets it off all right. It just looks not right, but um, it's he's hitting it, and he's playing great on the defensive end, and... I think overall the De'Aaron Fox factor does cap his ceiling. Um, it's it there's there's some nice I guess assurances to it because he's never gonna have too much on his plate kind of, but uh, it's gonna be hard for him to really reach a number one pick upside. I think with with his current situation, I think. Yeah, I think the question is like what he's giving you this year, you know how much more is he going to be giving you in the next four years? Like, mm-hmm. and, and that, that's not the same, like, that's just because he's been so good. this Right. Year. Right. It's like, right. uh, I don't know what his ceiling is. And, um, I don't think that it's nearly as high as who I'll take with the number two pick, uh, <laughs> LaMelo ball. Mm. Uh, and really like we can go over stats, but like, when I watch LaMelo Ball play, I have a hard time believing that he's not going to be a top 20 player uh, in the next... Well, let's say let's say by the time he graduates from the league. Uh, the vision, uh, the, just the, the joy he plays with, and how much it seems like his teammates enjoy playing with him. Um, and... Uh, and and the shot, like which I don't think anyone expected to be much of anything, but uh, he's his three looks more than competent, and uh, yeah, I mean he's giving you a lot his rookie year, and I think he's like there's so much room for growth there as he gets more and more comfortable with the speed, the size, the strength of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's I I had. Pretty high expectations, but I, he's still exceeded them so far for me. I think, um, yeah, I had maybe a, a few doubts, and like the shot was one of them, and how quickly he'd be able to be able to take over an NBA game was another one. But his vision is just natural gift, and yeah, he would have been my first pick too. Yeah, Alex, yeah, is there I mean, a reason? Is there like is there something you saw with Lamelo that made you doubt that, or is it just you feel that strongly about Halliburton? Yeah, no, it's it's no, no. I love Lamelo. I mean, he, he he would have usually been my second. Um, no, it's, I feel strongly about Halliburton. Um, you know, who who's to say what happens in the next four years? You know, uh, in terms of what happens with the Kings or what happens with Halliburton individually. Um, you know, in terms of his fantasy stealing, but it's kind of you know just watching him watching him play. I mean. Lamelo plays with great joy. Don't get me wrong, but joy's not a category, so I don't know if I'm like you know, 
not something you like count, which, you know, like I said, I love it, but um, there's just some killer instinct that's being Halliburton that I, you know, Whatever. I, I, I love watching Lamelo play. I, I just I like Halliburton. Mm-hmm. Cool. Fair enough. Fair. All right. Well, third pick. Uh, this is a tough one for me, but I, I'm going to go with James Wiseman. I think that the skill set he has is really, really attractive to fantasy purposes. And I, if I were drafting him, I'd hope that he stays in Golden State because I think that's a great fit for him fantasy wise. But I think he'll contribute pretty much everywhere. Um, there's a very obvious guy who was very tough to pass up on here, but I, I think Wiseman's my pick. Yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah, I, you got to think with Wiseman, he, you know, he barely played in college. He had played three games, uh, and then he, he looked pretty, pretty strong coming out of the gate. And uh, then obviously he was dealing with an injury, and he, he's, he's back now. And I think it's going to take him a little while to find his legs again. But, uh, yeah, I think with him, it's like you, you look at a seven-foot guy who can hit threes, uh, uber-athletic, uh, and uh, he's, a, he's another guy. It's, like hard to not, it's hard to see how he's not going to be a good player and a, and a really good player uh, within the next five years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean... Uh, he's missed a bunch of games this year, which makes it a little bit difficult for me to evaluate him, honestly. Um, but what I've seen from him, you know, he seems really comfortable down there in the, in the post, even in the high post. And, um, you know, moving off screens, he seems really comfortable as a pick and roll guy. He's got a little bit of a shot. So, yeah, I mean, he seems like a pretty complete player, and he's definitely going to pull down some boards, which is, you know, which is nice. Um, yeah. Yeah, I agree with that too. All right. Well, you're on the clock. On the clock. Um, I mean, I got to go with. Oh, my bad. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. Um, I got to go with uh, Anthony Edwards. Batman. Um, his. Uh, what the hell was that? Um, his, <laughs> Bless you. His, his shot selection has been. Highly questionable, but I feel like, you know, we had to expect that coming out of, you know, his college days and also on a team with like, uh, you know, Cat was out for like most of the season. Now, now D'Lo's out and they got a coaching change fucking midway through the year. So he's in a weird situation. And so I think a lot of the the ball handling and a lot of decision making is on him. And he's going to make some bad decisions. But what I've seen is is amazing. I mean, we saw that block over you. Uh, was it um, Utah Watanabe? Um, the dunk, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what did I say? What did I say? Block, yeah. Block. Sorry, yeah, yeah. That dunk. Um, yeah. That was that was something. That might have been the dunk of the decade. That was pretty, <laughs> pretty insane. Yeah, that was insane. Uh, you see that shit? For, like he blocked the shit out of Russell Westbrook the other night. I mm-hmm. mean, see that athleticism. Every and he's, you know, when he doesn't settle, he's got, you know, he misses a lot of layups, which is not worrisome right now to me. Um, but he gets to the rack really easily. He's got a great Euro step, and I mean, he can explode off that Euro step too, which is very odd. Like, it's just a weird, I don't know if you ever tried Euro stepping, but <laughs> I can hardly explode off two feet, much less Euro stepping. Um, I mean, he, yeah, and he's got a, he's got a serviceable shot. 
Um, he settles a little bit for that long range um, sometimes, but that's going to happen. I think, you know, if he gets some good coaching in him and gets a team around him where he can play a little bit off the ball too, because uh, spot up, he's not bad. So um, anyway, he's, <laughs> he's just, yeah, he looks like a complete player to me just a little wild. Cool. Andrew, what are your Anthony Edwards thoughts? And we see the guy that you were talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, big time. Uh, yeah, another guy has exceeded expectations. I think that fantastic athlete, and he's got a great jump shot, too. He really, his form's great, smooth, fluid, um, fantastic athlete. Uh, I think that the downsides might just be, obviously the team is a worry for me just because they're, his, uh, they've got such, such a weird ensemble of players, I think, right now, and they're probably about to have another really good uh, prospect. Um, and also, I guess, just he seems like more of a talent for, I don't know, the modern NBA. Like he, There's a lot of players who have a similar skill set. I think he's more talented than a lot of players in the NBA, but they're, he's going to be competing for playing time against a lot of guys that do similar things. And he's going to just have to continue developing his game a lot, which I think he can do. But I, I have enough quest, doubts that he might not be able to that that has him. I think fourth is fine for me. I, I'd probably rank him third overall. But um, yeah. Yeah, I think Alex's point uh, about just what the situation there has been is a really good one. You know, with Cat being out and with D'Lo being out, like. You know, I don't like what can you expect from him? He's gonna, he's in a situation where he's got way more responsibility than he probably should at this point. So the inefficiency isn't surprising at all. I think just, I've actually watched him a fair amount, and, and, uh, the, he passes the eye test. He, he looks like a guy that's gonna be around for a while. And, uh, again, this doesn't have anything to do with fantasy, but he's a super likable guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so uh, there was, I, like, before the draft, there was that article that came out where people had him had people sort of questioning, like, if he liked playing basketball. Um, and I think... Uh, he does. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for him, like, the ceiling is just completely going to be about his shot and uh, if he can be a good three-point shooter. And, uh, yeah, I mean, time will tell, but he's, um, you know, he's having, he'll, he'll probably finish second or third in, uh, rookie of the year voting. So, Mm -hmm. uh, all things considered, I think you gotta be happy with, uh, where he's at right now. So. Vasa, fifth pick right here. This is, man, I have no idea who you're going to go with, but I'm very intrigued. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think I'm going to go with. Uh, Emmanuel quickly. Whoa! All right, uh, all right. Interesting. There, yeah. So he's averaging twelve point two points, two point four assists, two point three rebounds, uh, shooting thirty eight percent from three, uh, forty eight point six effective field goal, and the uh, that rookie PER rating that I reference almost every podcast. He's at the top of it right now, uh, right above Tyrese Halliburton. So, uh, to me, just like, like on a, on a Knicks team with sort of a crowded guard rotation that got a little more crowded when they brought in Derrick Rose, he's deaf. He stands out as like the future of the Knicks. 
Um, I think he's uh, like over the next five years, I see him getting more and more usage, more and more opportunity to put up stats. And when I'm thinking about my fantasy team, like that's exactly what I want to see. So to me, he's, he's the clear guy here. Uh, What do you guys think of that? Oh, I'm, I'm surprised. I, I, he was definitely to me, the most interesting guy going into this draft. Cause I was very curious where you guys would value him. Um, I definitely don't think he's the clear guy here. And yeah, I, I don't know. I, I would have definitely several guys I have ahead of him. Um, I, I guess I just have enough concern that he's not the face of the franchise or he's not the future point guard for that team. And if he's not, he's not much at all. Um, Who me. is? I mean, it looks well, like... I mean, I think that they've got a few... I mean, the Julius Randle revelation obviously has been huge and uh, RJ Barrett's had a good growth season, but I could see them going out in the offseason and picking up someone huge, uh, like a big marquee name guard and it's more less less so than knowing who that is it's more so that i think he needs to be that primary ball handler to get his you know become the stud that i think uh, he could be if he gets it but i think that there's just a lot of obstacles in on the way to that yeah i mean i would agree if i'm if i'm looking at the eye test and I'm just going by an eye test and kind of looking at the numbers. I like quickly in that position. Um, I mean, fuck it. I still like quickly in that position. Uh, but Andrew does make some really good points. It's kind of the flip side of being in a big market, uh, especially when you're not, you know, a very high draft pick. Um, like, I think Obi Toppin is just going to be in New York for a little while just because he was the number whatever pick, you know. And I don't really think much of Obi Toppin. Um but, you know, as of this year, for sure, and maybe next year, it looks like they're going to run, like, a point guard by committee situation, uh, especially with the emergence of Julius Randle as, like, you know, a capable basketball player. Um, <laughs> but, but, yeah, I think those are my concerns. I will say, though, quickly shown some impressive flashes. And, you know, the other thing about a big market team is they're always looking to make moves. So I'm not, like not beyond the pale that they move quickly to a team that wants quickly and that needs them. Um, I'm, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying, you know, consider that when you think about the fact that he might be buried in the rotation in, in New York. Also. Mm-hmm. I, sure. I think he's, he's already become a fan favorite. And like, if there's one thing that the, the Knicks ownership needs to be paying attention to, it's like, how do we get the momentum in terms of like fans starting to trust the franchise, how do we get that to continue? Mm-hmm. And I don't think that moving him would be a good move at this point. So just with him, like I just see the the perfect mix of like production right now and upside that that mm-hmm. to me made him the choice here. So Andrew, gotcha. who do you have uh, at number six? Uh, it's yeah, it's getting really tough around these parts, and there's probably like three or four guys I could go with here, but. I am going to go with uh, Detroit Pistons first round pick Killian Hayes. Uh, I, the early season struggles did Whoa. not discourage me um, at all. I think that he was thrust into a really tough position and I liked the upside before he was a Piston and I love the fit. I think that this team wants to hand off the keys to the car to Killian Hayes and 
regardless of who the Pistons end up with in the next draft, I think Hayes is guaranteed to be, he's going to get every opportunity to be one of the primary um, pieces for this franchise going forward. And I think he has the skill set to, to deliver a, just a, a massive upside. And uh, I, I'm, I'm not losing hope. I, I think that um, there's a few other guys who might be a little safer at this point, but I, I think that he has the highest upside of anyone available at this point. Well, yeah, Andy might get an extra year of eligibility at this point too, depending he on might. if they, they bring him back or not. Um, which mm-hmm. I it it seems like they they are going to bring him back, um, especially mm-hmm. if they end up getting rid of Delon Wright or something uh, to mm-hmm. thin out that point guard rotation. Uh, I don't know. I as much as I love the Pistons and want Killian Hayes to be good, like sort of like what Alex was saying uh, with with quickly, like I could see a situation where we bring in a, a guy, whether it's free agency or you know, like obviously the Dinwiddie stuff from earlier today, or uh, you know, if they draft a guy like Cole Anthony, who's not a point guard but he's a, a lead ball handler. Like where suddenly Killian Hayes' development doesn't become as important, uh, you know. I I still think he's like a, for the sake of this redraft, he's a top twelve guy. Um, I just don't know if I would take him that early mm-hmm. for those reasons. What do you think, Alex? Uh, I mean, I'm not really high on Killian. I have to say, um, uh, Brian Labrum isn't. It, you know, it happens. I guess it's not the not a really, it's not an easy injury to come back from, from what I understand, but, um, but he's young, but he'll come back. I'm not worried about that. I'm more worried about sort of his certainty with all in his hands. He's got a really high dribble. I mean, I don't know if he's bad, but the thing people don't understand is when you change dribble mechanics, you sort of change the game for a point guard also. Um, so, I mean, it'll be interesting to see once they, once they sort of once he gets more game time, I actually would like to see him in. Am I talking loud enough, by the way? Closer to the computer, I think you sound better. Yeah, there's. Yeah, yeah. There's like some background noise, but yeah. it's okay. This is good. This is good right here. Yeah, it's perfect. That's <laughs> a sweet spot. All right. Um, uh, fuck. Oh, yeah. You know, like a lot of other guys, I actually would like to see him in the G League for a minute. Not long. Just like mm-hmm. a brief stint. Get like a lot of time there. Um, like a Kevin Porter situation. Just. Put him in the fucking G League. Let him sort of blossom. And, and, and I wouldn't take him this high right now. I, I want to. My heart wants to. But my my mind doesn't want to. You know, um, <laughs> just just the whole package doesn't look very, you know, he doesn't look sure out there. And he doesn't have, like, the athleticism to sort of, to sort of um, jump out at me beyond that. So, yeah. Well, and he's French, so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. So we're on to round round three. Alex, you got seventh pick here. Who are you going with? I got someone that's going to make Josh really happy. Can you guess who it is, Josh? Devin Vassell? No, it's Sadiq Bey. Oh, um, two straight Pistons. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> you know the, here's the thing. We're at the seventh pick, right? Is that what you said? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we're kind of getting into that, you know, the middle of this pack of like, it's hard to know what to make of it. It was hard to know what to make of it during the draft. It's, <laughs> it might be harder now. Um, but Sadiq, I mean, he's gotten 
opportunities that other players haven't. So, you know, you got to consider that. Um, but he's coming ready. He's coming ready. And I got to balance. We're trying to balance out like productivity at this stage versus potential. Right. And I don't know how high his ceiling is. I mean, his ceiling, I don't think is as high as, you know, some of the people we've mentioned and, and a few of the guys we haven't, I'm not going to name names in case those are your next dudes. But, um, but man, he's really produced. I mean, Eastern Conference Player of the Week. We're not even talking rookie. We're just yeah. talking Player of the Week. I mean, he was balling out. And I, he's, I think, you know, he makes smart decisions on the court. He can obviously shoot, but he gets to the rim a lot more effectively than I thought. Um, I would have put Desmond Bain. I would have put Desmond Bain in this spot, except I think Sadiq gets to the rim better and rebounds better. Mm. Um, yeah, he's a sneaky good rebounder. He's a sneaky yeah. good yeah, and I like him, and I like his arm tattoos, and uh, you know, just in general, I think you know he came ready to play, and I got to give him credit for it. So I'll go seven with him. Wow, love it, love it. Uh, he, yeah, he wouldn't have been there for me, but I, I, well, I love I'm it. Just, I think you backed it up, <laughs> Andrew. Okay. No, I think Sadiq is like, he's been like the the greatest surprise of this draft. Uh, you know, and he was the third guy the Pistons took. So, uh, I, I mean, I, think I, I took think, him over Stewart, right? No, no, no. Stewart no. went. Was it sixteen? Yeah, I think Steve went sixteen. No, I think Stewart went sixteen. No. Really? Oh. Here, I have the draft up right now. Let's okay. make sure we're not crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm up around, but. Um. Yep. So. Uh, 16 Isaiah Stewart, uh, Trailblazers, uh, to the Rockets, to us, and then 19. Oh, 19. Sadiq Bay, drafted by the Nets, to the Clippers, to us. So, mm. um, but yeah, I mean, I we we talked a, uh, a lot about this last pod, um, but just uh, how quickly it's my my thoughts on him have turned from like, okay, he's going to be a good three point shooter. Uh, and then we'll see what else to, you know, he's taking the ball, the hole now he's rebounding. He's, uh, and he looks like, or, and he's defending, like he was defending Zion the other night. Uh, Mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah. And like, he's, I think been the biggest beneficiary of the whole Blake situation, um, starting now and playing big minutes. So I love the pick. I, you know, it's, I think we're at the point now where you're 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 gonna have to measure like what we've seen so far versus what you think mm-hmm. uh, we can be. It's a little less obvious, um, so I I don't mind that pick at all right mm. there. All um, right, Josh, go for it. Yeah, so for me, uh, I'm gonna go with Patrick Williams here. Yeah. Uh, he, like, I mean, I think we all had an opportunity to take him in the real <laughs> draft, and we all passed, and. I I wasn't sure he's, he's you know he's one of those guys that didn't play he wasn't even starting in college and uh so and it was like sort of almost all buzz generated like his draft stock and it, it kept ra- rising and rising yeah. uh and he obviously ended up going fourth right to uh yep to the Bulls yeah. and not having a great statistical season this year 10 points uh, five boards and uh, like just under a steal a game and just under a block a game. And uh, so 
I think just the potential for him to be like an all-around guy and the the thing for me that that I think makes him a good choice here is the apparent commitment by Chicago to make him like a big part of their future. He's averaging almost 30 minutes a game. Yeah. And uh he looks he's showing some flashes of being like a a good scorer and uh I think the rest of his game statistically is uh, it bodes pretty well for the next five years. Yep. Totally. Yeah, I think great versatility. Scoring is maybe the only question I have, but he's he's shown he can do it. Uh, but he does a lot of things on the court, and he's so easy to build around. Um, Bulls definitely want to build around him. So, yeah, yeah, great pick for sure. Yeah, he's a great wing. I think he's got, you know, the opposite of Kwame Brown. He's got big hands, which is good. <laughs> You know, we talk, I think we talk about these measurables in a lofty way, but sometimes when you see the measurables at play, they're really impressive. Like back, uh, I don't know the Donovan Mitchell year, but I've been kicking myself for years for not taking Donovan Mitchell because I, when I saw that guy Louisville, I just knew he was going to be a star because of his fucking length, man. Mm-hmm. You know, his length plus his explosiveness plus all the other things we've seen. But anyway, this isn't by him. I think it's <laughs> Great pick. I like what I've seen so far in Chicago. He's a, like Andrew said, he's easy to build around. I mm-hmm. think that's a big thing. He's easy to build around, and he plays both sides of the ball. Yeah, you know, you. I like that. And I think his defensive stats will only go up, not by mm-hmm. much. I mean, get ten bucks a game, but he'll go up. Yeah, I think with like in Chicago, it's like Levine, Patrick Williams, and then maybe one of Markinen or Carter as sort of the core there. And then you, you add like a couple pieces there and you have a really interesting team. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. All, All right. right, Andrew, I'm curious to see who you're going to take here. Yeah. So with number nine, I'm going to continue with my sort of theme of going for the upside play. Um, the guy kind of playing a long game ish here, but I'm going to go with Onyeko Kongwu. Whoa. Um, yeah, I mean, the playing time just not there yet. And, I, I you know, he hasn't done anything to, to me at least, to, to show that he doesn't have immense upside as a, as a big in the NBA. Um, he's blocked by the double-double machine Clint Capella right now. Um, but uh, I think a Kongwu is just, he's going to be a stop. He's going to be a rim protector at some point. It might be another two years after his third year. Um, you might not get a ton of value out of him the next two years, but I think once he hits his ceiling, he's going to be a force in, in the league. Yeah. Um, I, I, I got, I'm going to say I got no opinion. <laughs> I, really, I really don't know. I really have not seen him play at all. He, he's barely <laughs> played as far as I know. Um, so I got he no no. He was he was injured at the start of the year, right. and uh, Capella's having a great year. Yeah. John Collins is in a contract year and is playing yeah. really good. Uh, we obviously mentioned the possibility of maybe a Collins trade, which mm-hmm. I think would free up some space for him. Um, so it's really just been about opportunity. And, right. and just the situation in Atlanta isn't great right now. It seems yeah. like the, the coaching staff is probably going to be on their way out. Um, Lloyd Pierce is... Uh, you know, I'm friends with a Hawks fan who's not thrilled with Lloyd Pierce. And I, <laughs> I think they're they're not really winning as much as people thought they would. Uh, they are 
currently outside looking in of the playoffs. They would mm-hmm. be the they're behind Indiana and Charlotte um, as the eleventh best uh, record at fourteen and nineteen. Um, so I don't know. Hopefully he gets some run. Uh, they they took him pretty high, so you think that they'd want to see what they have. Um, so maybe it's just a matter of like injury and and bringing him back yeah. and slowly. Because uh, the buzz about him before the draft was was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a patience play for sure. But I, I think that he could be he could fit perfectly on that that team in, in due time. Yep. All right. So one more round, Alex. Who are you going to take with your uh, your last selection here? This is tough. This is tough. <laughs> this is really hard. Yeah, um, <laughs> there's so many guys. There's so we'll, many. We'll go over you know honorable yeah, mention guys at the end for sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, 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 definitely. Now, can I count? I'm looking at like our our draft, right? Can mm-hmm. I count guys who weren't taken in the 2020 draft, like like just like guys that we drafted from the league? You know what I mean? Like not no, guys, just rookies. Yeah, rookies. just two rookies. Okay, okay, okay. Because Andrew had a good pickup with Lugans Dort. So. Oh yeah. Um, no, but I'll probably go with Cole Anthony. Okay. Um, okay. I think he's shown, you know, people were wondering about his motor and kind of like, you know, is he going to play hard in the NBA, this and that. And he, he was at he was at UNC, uh, you know, person at UNC always have a hard time. So I don't even fucking count that as like, you know, if a guy has a hard time at UNC his first year and then go, and then declares for the NBA, I'm like looking at him basically just with fresh eyes you know well as fresh as you can you know i'm looking at like high school <laughs> i guess um and yeah he's got he's got you know i think he's got what it takes to be a starting point guard in the league um he dishes more creatively than i thought he would he's got a nice shot he's explosive to the rim and uh he plays good defense so um i think he's injured again now or no, I mean not again, but you know, fucking what's his He's name? He's been injured. Holtz got injured. Mm-hmm. Got injured, and you know that kind of thing happens. But before he got injured, he was he was leading that first unit, and um, I liked what I saw from him. And I thought, you know, I thought he'd be pretty good coming out of UNC. So, mm-hmm. what do you think about Cole Anthony, Andrew? Yeah, I'm a fan. I he can he can score the rock. He he good distributor too. Um, I think he got thrust into that starting role really quickly. wasn't surprising. It wasn't uh, expecting that, and he kind of has a weirdish supporting cast. But um, yeah, I think he's going to be around for five years, and when he has the playing time, he's going to rack up a lot of points, threes, and assists. Yeah, I think Orlando's a team in flux too. I, they've they've been in perennially the eight seed. Seems like no matter what, they end up there. Uh, which I believe they're, uh, well, they're not right now. They're 13 and 21, third worst record in the East. Um, and they, there's obviously a hole there at the point guard position. They had, they had to play a couple games this year without a point guard. Like, uh, you know, they were running Aaron Gordon there, like as their lead ball handler for a while. Uh, and then he got hurt and then they were having to like piece together like, uh, Ennis and, uh, uh, Terrence Ross and letting the, those guys try to run the offense. So when he gets back, when Cole Anthony gets back, uh, he's going to get an opportunity and plenty of uh, run to get some production. And to me, like to me, I think it's just about like what's the ceiling there. 
And, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens in Orlando once everyone's back from injury, uh, once Jonathan Isaac is back, and, uh, you know, which is obviously going to be next year. But I think I, I, I like the upside with Cole Anthony for sure. Cool. What do you got, baby? All right, Josh, your last pick. Yeah. Uh, so it's between two guys for me here, and I think I'm going to go with uh, someone that's on my team, uh, Devin Vassell. Uh, he, he's also uh, dealing with an injury right now, and he's not having uh, like the greatest statistical season. But almost in the same way that like uh, you just feel comfortable with Tyrese Halliburton out there, you you sort of have like a light version of that with Vassell, uh, particularly on the defensive end. Like uh, his his ability to get steals is crazy, uh, and then I think uh, San Antonio has like a weird guard rotation. So once that sort of gets settled out, uh, whether or not they bring back DeRozan. Uh, I think the opportunity is going to be there for him in the in the next few years, and I think I've seen enough from him to believe that he's going to be a guy uh, that's going to be there a while and and be good. Nice, yeah, totally agree. I think he looks great on the defensive end, and I I have confidence he'll he'll be good enough offensively. I think still questions overall how good he is going to be on on offense, but I think. With how good he looks on defense, he's going to have a regular rotation spot on, on the Spurs for the next three, four years. And, yeah, definitely passes the eye test for sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it all depends on what San Antonio does um, in free agency. And, uh, you know, if they, if they want to – I mean, I'm hearing rumors about them moving either LaMarcus Aldridge or DeMar DeRozan or both or something. Uh, I mean, if they move them, and depending on who they get back or what they get back, they can really free the way for Vassal, you know? Um, to be like that 3 and D guy uh, next to Keldon Johnson. Obviously, he's, you know, Keldon Johnson and um, Murray. Um, yeah, it could be interesting with him. I, yeah, I, like, I like that. I haven't paid too much attention to him, but what I've seen has been interesting. He's got a, like, little uh, mid-range pull-up game, right? what i yeah Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and it just however important like fit is like he's like among rookies like he's got to be one of the better like fits in terms of culture in terms of just what how his game meshes with the franchise and uh they san antonio just has a lot of like interesting young pieces and i i wonder if down the road they try to consolidate those at some point and make a move. Yeah. Uh, all right, Andrew, bring us home. Man, I, I got to say, this this draft, which we, we were ripping on before the season. Uh, Everyone was. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's more depth than – because there's yeah. some guys. There's a lot of good guys on the board. Um, there's no way I'm not taking Tyrese Maxey here. Um, but there's some guys that are tough to pass up. So Maxey – We've obviously seen what he can do when he has the the green light to shoot. He is a born bucket maker, great shooter, just uh, just great with the ball in his hands. Um, really, the only question is just how much playing time he's going to get over the next few years, and that is a massive question for sure. 
Um, if I'm drafting him on my team, I, I'm really probably hoping either Simmons gets traded or that Maxi gets traded to a different situation. I think there is a a world where him in Philadelphia works out really well because I think he could complement Simmons really well. It just doesn't seem like the team wants to do that, at least yet. So um, some definitely some concerns in terms of uh, how long it's going to take for him to, to reach his potential. But I, I think the potential is very high, and I, I do think he'll get there in a, in a minimum two years. I wouldn't bet on this, but I, I really, like, if Philadelphia down the line not even down the line this season or or next season wants to make a move and bring in some help. Like he's the obvious trade piece that I think a lot of teams are interested in. So, uh, you know, if we want to start a free maxi, uh, chant here, we can do that. Uh, because I think if he ends up on like a, I don't know, Toronto or, uh, just really like any team where he could be featured, uh, or starting even, uh, I think he could easily, the next time we do this, be in that first or second round conversation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I like the pick. I definitely like the pick. And um, if Kyle Lowry decides to come home, he could very well be part of uh, yeah. the trade scenario. So um, I think, yeah, the only issue is how much PT is going to... I mean, they seem pretty pretty committed to sort of the lineup where they're at and we'll see what happens this year with Philly really uh mm-hmm. how far how deep they go into the playoffs I mean are they first in the east right now yeah yep no no, no Brooklyn is isn't it? oh no they no, are. no 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 22 and 12 and Brooklyn's 22 and 13 mm. okay um yeah so I mean we'll see I mean that doesn't mean anything as far as the playoffs go but um it'd be interesting to see, to see what happens I mean they seem committed to having Obviously, his role is sort of, sort of eaten up by Shake right now, yeah. uh, and also by Seth Curry. I mean, just like yeah. in terms of yeah, getting buckets out there. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I think it's all going to depend on if they move some pieces. If they move him, I think that's the more likely scenario. They move him as like, yeah. you know, something something of a trade piece to to sort of, you know, get them to chip faster. Right. Uh, I, I said Toronto as sort of a callback to the Lowry um, okay. yeah, conversation. I was definitely thinking that already, yeah. 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 yeah, that's that's I like him though as a player. I was surprised um with what I saw from him. <laughs> yeah. Um all right, so I'm gonna call out some names that we didn't uh yeah, 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 mention sure. and yeah. you guys let me know if anybody stands out or if they were close or if you considered them. Um, so the first name I'm going to throw out there is Isaiah Stewart. Mm. Mm. Not not top twelve, but uh, next next uh, next somewhere in the next ten, <laughs> five to ten maybe. All right, well, somewhere in the next ten. I mean, great fit for the Pistons, but I don't know about you know in general room for growth and not positive. Fantasy. Yeah, I don't know about fantasy. All right, what about Obi Toppin? He would have been one of the next for me for sure. Um, Alex, you you seemed a little less certain about that. I'm less certain on Obi. Um, <laughs> less certain on Obi. Maybe it's the situation. Maybe it's head in New York right now. Um, yeah, I wouldn't put him. I'd put him maybe. Could be in the next five or six. Five or six. All right. What about Desmond Bain? 
again, going by like sort of the productivity versus the potential, you know, I, you got to give him credit for what he's done so far. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league by yep. percentage. And, um, he's actually like a more serviceable passer and slasher than I thought. And um, I thought, yeah, he'd probably be in my next few. Yeah. Um, I Same range, I guess, as Stewart. I'd, I'd take him over Stewart, but um, just questions on how that team's going to line up in the next couple of years. I'm not positive how big of a role he's going to play yet, but I, I like him. Yeah. I, I He's a guy, like, I mean, you just can't, you can't um, shut your mind off to a guy that can shoot that good. Right. He's a great shooter, yeah. Uh, let's go another guy in Memphis, Xavier Tillman. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I figured he wouldn't get picked in the top in our draft, but there's obviously a case that he should have. I mean, if you're just this year alone, he should have, um, yeah. I think. Um, but I thinking in terms of growth, I, I don't see a ton of growth from him. Um, so I, I probably would have taken... Stewart a little ahead of him. He's yeah. probably four uh, out of these this group for me. I think he's sitting on the roof right now. He's hit a ceiling. He's hit the ceiling. <laughs> he's, uh, I mean, that's a mean thing to say, right? Um, <laughs> no, I, yeah, I agree with Andrew. I just don't see. Um, well, yeah, they're going to get Jaron Jackson Jr. back soon. That's well, a big, yeah. Especially because of that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... To me, he was like the guy that I was sort of considering uh, him and Vassell. Mm. Uh, I think that I, I like his upside, actually. Um, I, it's just yeah. going to be about opportunity there. And uh, like, I like him more as a basketball player than I do as a fantasy guy, too. Like, I, I think he's, yeah. he's going to be right. a good player. I just don't know what he's going to give you, uh, like, fantasy wise. I, I just love him on the Pistons, honestly. I think he'd yeah. be a good guy to have in the locker room, for sure. Uh, so talking about production right now, what about Peyton Pritchard? He slipped a little bit lately, I, I've noticed. In terms of yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd probably take him over Tillman. I would definitely take him over Tillman, but that's probably it from the ones that have been mentioned. He's been, yeah, much better than I thought he'd be, for sure. Yeah, I would um, agree. I would agree with that. Okay, so two guy, two other guys I want to bring up, and then I'll sort of let you guys, if you guys have anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jaden McDaniels on Minnesota, mm-hmm. he hasn't been super, nothing like stands out uh, like at this point yet but i just love his upside and like with the new staff there he's just so athletic uh i think he's going to be end up being featured more and like he's definitely a part of their future so uh i love him and then also theo maldon uh who who like in very like in a very weird situation in oklahoma city has put up uh some decent (laughs) numbers and and had some huge games so i i like him as well so uh Alex, anybody else that hasn't been mentioned yet that you want to throw out there? Or, or why don't you go ahead and talk a little Jaden McDaniels first, because we know <laughs> oh, you're a fan. Oh, man, I've done my Jaden research. Um, I, I pretty much only exclu- – I exclusively watch Minnesota Timberwolves games now uh, because of Jaden McDaniels. Um, 
Oh, really? I thought I was the only one. No, no. You know, I, yeah, I got him in that trade with Greg because I really like his upside also. I mean, uh, I was telling uh, Andrew, you know, he's got the highest block rate among any players that are not centers in the league. Yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's not just that he, he's, and he's a great athlete, and it's not just that he has good timing, but he's got a, a nice three-point stroke. Um, and even at times he shows a couple dribble pull up in the mid range. Um, he can get to the basket. He's not, here's the issue is he's, he's weak. Um, Mm. straight up. There's no better way to put it than that. You know, he, when he goes to the bucket, um, he doesn't go to the bucket with force, you know, which you need in this league. You know, he's got the athleticism and he gets up there, but there's a lot of guys that are athletic, you know? Um, so so he needs to put on some weight, and if he can, if he if he can get it in the weight room a little bit, I mean, I think that guy might be a problem. And if they if they if they really work with him, you know, the other thing was with Chris Finch coming in, um, I thought I thought also he was going to get a lot more playing time, and but in the first couple of games, he's actually seen decreased playing time. Worries me a little bit. I don't know how much I should be worried in the long term. They're playing Okogi a lot uh, at the four, so. I mean, I don't know what they're what they're going for there, um, but I think his upside is pretty tremendous. He reminds me a lot of people throw out Kevin Durant because he's just he's long. Um, he's yeah. not he's not really a Durant type scorer, but I think he's somewhere. You know, he can be in like an Ingram range. Ingram, when he came into the league, was also not very confident um, with the ball in his hands and uh, turned it over a lot, and so. We'll see. He's already got a better stroke than than Ingram had in the first year. So, yeah, yeah. I think um, McDaniel's and Maladon are definitely my two favorites of the the post draft guys you've brought up. I think I'd probably draft Topin ahead of both of them just because I think a little bit more investment from the team and, and I think a little higher floor probably. But um, love McDaniel's skill set. Saw the Durant comparisons right off the bat after you know watching some of his videos. He's definitely lanky guy with a good looking jump shot who's better defensively coming into the league than Durant, which is encouraging. Um, Maladon, I haven't watched a ton of him. I, I like his videos coming into the league, and I think he's someone who has a lot of potential. Um, he's in a weird situation with the Thunder being such a strange team, but he has done surprisingly well, which I thought he was going to be more of a, he'd take longer to develop if he ever got there, but he's, he's surprisingly been good so far and um, looks the part. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty encouraged by him. Um, the only other guys I think that stand out to me who haven't been brought up yet are actually both on Alex's team. Uh Danny Avdia and Isaac Okoro, um, both guys. I mean, Okoro just looks like solid pro, like more solid than I thought for sure. Um, don't think he's got a ton of growth, but he, he might. He's he surprised me with how good he's been so far. I mean, just out of the gate. So, um, and I actually I think Avdia's got some potential. I, I think that. Hit the Wizards are a weird team right now, and I, I think he does a lot of good things on the court. He's still got a lot of things to figure out for sure, but I think Avdio to me was the biggest guy who was he was number thirteen for me. It was I was between him and Maxi, but I, I couldn't pass up Maxi. Sure. Yeah, I, mean, I think uh, with both of those guys you just mentioned, it's just been tough. Like you just like 
statistically haven't done a ton uh, yeah. and haven't given you any consistency. Uh, but I think just like you, from like the sake of like, you can't give up on top 10 picks after a third of a season or, or a half a season, wherever we're at. Uh, so I, I think they're, they're right on the edge of that conversation, probably above all the guys that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the only other guy I want to bring up is Jay Sean Tate, who uh, oh yeah, is undrafted, yeah. <laughs> but um, looks like a guy that's going to stick around uh, the league for a while. Good call. Yeah, I, I was not thinking about him, but yeah, he definitely for me ranks above some of the guys we've talked about. Um, he's in a great situation. I mean. Houston needs young talent, and he's looked great on both ends of the floor, he, uh, especially defensively. But he's been getting better offensively lately. So yeah, yeah, I'd probably take him over Stewart. Yeah, as a how comparison. Old? I mean, how old is that guy? I don't think he's that old. He's still pretty young. Yeah, twenty-five or something. How old? Is he? I don't think so. No, look it up. Wait. Oh, you're right. Nailed it. 25. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. I think he's kind of, you know, I'm not saying he's reached the ceiling, but, you know, in terms of potential, I don't know. He's definitely gotten the chance. I've been, I was looking at his numbers. I mean, he's gotten 40 minutes in a few games. It's fucking wild. So, yeah. you know, once Houston yeah. retools, I don't think they're going to go from a totally ground up approach here. I mean, they could. They, I mean, they sort of are at this point, but I think they're going to try to make some moves at the deadline, possibly and kind of retool a little bit so they're not just like doing youth movement all the way. Although I would love to see it considering I picked up KPJ and I want him to, to you know, blossom. But <laughs> anyways, the point is, yeah, I like Jason. I mean, that's an incredible pickup. That might be uh, one of the better yeah. of, the, of the year for sure. For right? sure, yeah. Yeah, yeah for right. sure. Yeah. Cool. Oh, wait, one more guy, one more guy real quick. Yeah. yeah. This last, it's also an eight guy, uh, Alexei Pokushevsky. Oh, Poku, yeah. I've been watching yeah. Oklahoma City Blue um, G League highlights. And <laughs> him and this one other guy, this big dude they got in the middle, who seems like he's seven foot eight. I don't know how he <laughs> Man, Poku looks really comfortable out there. He's got this one, like, he was going, he was like on the weak side on a fast break, and he was going for the, uh, the alley oop, I guess, you know? And whoever it was that made him, that threw him the pass, threw it like way past him. Like he's floating out of bounds and he just tosses it sort of like behind his like head. You know what I mean? Like backwards, yeah. like that, right to this dude in the, in the paint. And the guy put mm-hmm. it up to the back. I mean, he's got, it looks like he's really comfortable out there. He's uh, a good ball handler. Yeah. It reminds him of the high school games he used to play in <laughs> <Yeah>. overseas. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, he might have too much confidence sometimes, but, mm-hmm. um, is that a bad thing? I don't know, but he's got an incredible. I mean, you got an interesting skill set. You yeah. know, so yeah, that's a guy. That's a guy that's interesting to watch. For sure, mm-hmm. Sid will be glad that you uh, threw that out there, or yeah, devastated. Right. Yeah, but yeah, could be either way. <laughs> All right, well, we're coming up on the ninety-minute mark yeah. right now, so I think um, yeah, I don't know. We can Wait. call it. We can call let's it for today. It. Let's keep it going, man. <laughs> I think I think the uh, the draft was a ton of fun. Um, that was definitely uh, one of the segment highlights for me, for sure, of of the podcast history. I love anything draft related is always up my alley. So, yeah. um, 
yeah, so I think we might might call it quits for now. I think I gotta run, but um, yeah, uh, yeah. we can we'll uh, check in on the league standings and stuff in a couple weeks uh, when we meet again. And mm. uh, yeah, hope everyone is uh, doing well. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you soon. Thanks, Bye. Alex. Yep. For sure. Bye.